All right, Pete's sick. It's the fall time. Tournament season's over. We're going to talk about the fall transition on this episode of the OneCast. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. feel like it's going to be a bad day. What's going on, guys? Pete with the OneCast here. So excited to announce our newest podcast partner, Carolina Waters. Carolina Waters is a performance fishing and outdoor lifestyle apparel company that's based right here in North Carolina. They provide clothing like lightweight UPF shirts for those days out on the water or in the field for your hardcore fisherman or athlete. They also have casual t-shirts for those more relaxing days. Tons of different styles of headwear for the whole family. No matter what it is you're doing, if you're doing it outdoors in the Carolinas or anywhere across the country... Carolina Waters has you covered. Be sure to head over to their website, check out the apparel, find what fits your needs at carolinawatersnc.com. For the month of September, use the code THEONECAST, all one word, to save 20% off your order at carolinawatersnc.com. Again, that's carolinawatersnc.com. Use the code THEONECAST at checkout to save 20%. Appreciate y'all. Make sure you check them out. Use that code to let you know that we sent you. Help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. Welcome back to the Fall Transition Show, folks. As you can tell, <laughs> you uh, sound so excited about Welcome that. Back. Fall Transition. <laughs> Welcome back. So, Pete, I'm sorry, man, you're getting over a cold right now, and it's a perfect time to talk about transition. Uh, but before we do that, Head on over to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the onecast to save some change at checkout. Get you get you some of those uh, long neck hooks. Those are flying off the shelves, by the way. So Ben, plus that stock up, and then uh, get your hands on some of those snaggless jigs. I put a hurting on them the other day on the lake. Uh, for some odd reason, they wanted to eat a big jig and not a small jig, which is weird. We're going to talk about fall transition, but go on there and uh, use the code the onecast. You can save yourself some money. Get ready for the Christmas sets coming up. Those are great stocking stuffers. Those snaggless jigs um long neck hooks weedless net heads etc and all the soft plastics that just came back in stock also mm, that was a loud lip smack i'm sorry it's okay yeah also <laughs> uh check out the uh non-profit organizations that we like to uh to highlight on the show fx3 inc heroesharvest.org and all the others that support the veteran community do do our uh, service members a favor uh donate any money if you if you have the uh possibility of doing that um, or just go to their pages, man, and follow them. They do a lot of great stuff for the veteran community. So every one of those guys appreciate your support. Anything from you guys? Yeah. If you're looking for another cause to donate to, make sure you check out the uh, family in Maui below. Uh, lost everything uh, in a fire when we had Maddie on a couple weeks ago. He recommended them if, if folks are looking for somewhere to donate. Uh, we also have a giveaway attached to that. So if you do donate, whether it's a, a dollar or, or a thousand, whatever you donate, uh, shoot us a image of your receipt you can black out all the uh the details other than your name so we know it's actually you and you didn't just make a receipt not that anybody would do that but um shoot that over to us on social media uh we're gonna have a, a one the one cast hat of uh, the one cast shirt of our our gear which uh, you'll be seeing this will come out thursday hopefully friday we get that out to everybody the hats are just about done as we're recording this so hoping to have it but we're gonna do that and then swamp fox custom lures who's a buddy of mine uh, and his uh, fiance run down there in South Carolina are going to donate some uh, baits. Uh, they do custom painted square bills, things like that. If you follow us on social media, you saw 
uh, square block out of fish on in a tournament over the weekend, they're going to donate that. So uh, if you make a donation, screenshot the receipt, send it to us on social, uh, and we'll do that giveaway. I'm going to set a time frame end of October. So uh, we'll give, let that go through the month of October. So any amount, there's no set amount yet. We're asking you to donate. Uh, that's all going to a family directly affected. Going to let them get some fishing gear and uh, get their kids back out on the water and doing what uh, what they love to do, which obviously is a big thing in Hawaii. Yeah, uh, you're surrounded by water. Uh, been I've been jealously watching Maddie's stories every day. He's like, oh, tune in tonight. Oh, mahi today. Yeah. Oh, he's just out here catching the fish. Hopefully, he doesn't get any mercury poisoning or anything like that. So. <laughs> But you're right, man. Like he is, uh, he's in a prime location to go out there and like do about as multi-species fishing as you can do. Um, so I'm super jealous of him. Ben, what's going on in the world today? There's a lot going on. <laughs> a, lot, a lot we're not going to talk about on this little program, right? Uh, no, but things have been going well. You getting back in major production mode and all, getting ready. You know, with the business, you try to get the inventory up during the fall time. Uh, when fishing slows down a little bit, which we're going to talk about here. Mm -hmm. um, and then because trade show seasons, you know, starts January, January through March. So yep. you want to build everything up. So I've been uh, I've been uh, thankful for the heat break, you know, um, knocking out all that product making. But um, so unfortunately, I haven't been out in the water too much. I will say because um, I know we're going to transition to talk about the fall. I was out on my little dock filming videos um, uh, for advertising for the product for the jigs and soft plastics. And they're all bass starting to move up shallow because there were some eight inch ones right around. And I tried to get them to bite the jig with the camera underwater, but they just swim away. But there's about a two and a half, three pound or two swimming around too. And they hadn't been there for a couple months. So that is a positive sign that there is fish moving up. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we got active. that. We got that cold night, man. That's all you need. You need that first cold night. And it, it kind of flips the switch uh flips flips the switch that sounded <laughs> weird in my head I'm, I'm getting over a sinus infection so i apologize for my voice sounding goofy but um yeah so we fished a tournament saturday and uh, got to see that the thermocline's gone that was the first thing i checked uh to make sure that was gone because i knew if that was gone it was on like the transition was starting that was pretty obvious we we idle out to to the mouth of this i guess you call it a creek before we blast off um because there's some houses in there and you don't want to just go blown by there at first light and waking those folks up trying to be decent and uh it was loaded with shad the whole way uh you know scanning i'm like yeah they're 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 going down i i caught oh, i don't know maybe 10 fish total tournament day and i caught them eight different ways so that's usually a pretty good sign when there's no like yep. hamstrung 100 pattern uh to to catch them on and you're just kind of junk fishing out there but uh you know it was fun and it's something that uh we we talked about a little bit on our live last week and we decided to make an episode because it's it's something a lot of folks you start seeing the questions right online and the forums and stuff like oh where are the fish in the fall i've been catching them here and they're not there like where where are they short answer we'll get into more depth they're everywhere. <laughs> I, I want to add to that um, because I was on a tournament a few years ago. It was October, I think, up at Car Lake, uh, so Bugs Island. And I don't know if it was the extra during the tournament or I think it was. That would make sense. It was a BFL, so I'm probably fishing my tournament on Saturday too, not pre-fishing. But I had a little thing going on. Figured, you know, they were on some points, some secondary points. I don't know how many people just blew by me, ran all the way to the back of the creek, pitched all the little lay downs and then ran back out and never yeah. caught a fish. Mm -hmm. And because the old adage is right in the fall, right? When the water turns, 
go to the backs of the creeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not always the case, as no. we're going to talk about here. No, <laughs> but the fall transition, well, I don't know if you exactly mean the transition, but after they transition, you were saying before we got on here, Trey, that it's your favorite time to fish, and it is my absolute worst time to fish for me. Yeah, I, I think that uh, so finding a, so if you're an outdoors person in general, a lot of times you'll see majority of the people go to the woods this time of the year. Right. And and myself included, I love uh, to whitetail deer hunt. Um, I used to be an avid uh, rabbit hunter or a hare hunter, if you will, you know, up in Michigan. And, and we used to chase rabbit all year long. It was a, it was a great time. We usually waited till uh, shotgun season was over after I think shotgun season up there is like november 15th and it lasts two weeks november 15th was always a holiday we always got out of high school for that which was really cool um but i've always been an outdoorsman and uh but you know since getting into to you know largemouth bass fishing or bass fishing in general the fall has always been one of my favorite times to fish one because um i do have the luxury of just walking out the back door and shooting a deer if i wanted to so i don't have to put that much effort in but if you don't have that uh it the the wake borders and the jet skiers for the most part uh are aren't on the water at this point pretty much after what is it labor day yeah uh you know they kind of disperse at least here in north carolina i'm not going to say that's the case everywhere right obviously you know poor guys down in florida they're dealing with it all the time but so i i like the fall because it's it's less pressured from all watercraft um and as you mentioned there's less fishing pressure because that's right there's less like like you mentioned yep. a lot of guys go to the deer woods so less recreational pressure less fishing pressure and the weather is just more enjoyable for much, me much. much more enjoyable like don't get me wrong i love fishing in the dog days of summer because it's easy right but i think the the fall for me does something internally where it challenges me to do things that i was habitually doing throughout the summertime which is easy it's like deep diving crankbait football jig you know big worms um drop shotting you know things like that really wasn't there wasn't at least on the lakes that i like to fish around here like you're not really diversifying that much so the fall is a great time for me to go out there and and work on new things and I, I think it i think the best way to frame it though is expectation management because like pete said the fish are everywhere, which is cool because it gives you kind of like the any option you want. However, they are eating micro shad at that point a lot of times. So it's really hard to target those fish. And we'll get into the to the other topic about targeting those fish. But yeah, so for me, it's it's a great time for me to go out and work on techniques that maybe I didn't work on during, you know, the spawn, the post-spawn in the summertime pattern. Um, you know kind of an example or a vignette to talk about is like i didn't even have forward facing sonar on my boat until this year i mean i put it on late last year and i used it throughout the winter time uh but i'll go out this year in the fall and i'm going to work on things like the free rig i've never thrown a free rig before well i'm here to tell you it's been getting absolutely crushed on a certain lake um i'm not that great with a demiki rig so i'm going to go out and throw a demiki rig I don't throw glide baits. I'm going to go throw them. Now, I'm not going to go use those techniques only to get bit. I want to figure out which rod I need to choose for that application, what's line, what reel, what, how that bait and the action is in the water. So really for me, it's like, um, 
it's like two a days prepping for the, you know, the football season. Right. And so I'm going to take everything that I learned, hopefully capture that and then apply that, uh, for the next tournament season. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna fish a lot of tournaments next year, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. But yeah, so fall for me is fun. Less pressure, both recreationally um, and fishing pressure. Uh, you know, better weather and just different options in a in a way to like kind of hone in your skill set and, and diversify your portfolio. So that's why I like it like it a lot. Yeah, it makes sense. It can be it can be frustrating in the fall, but it can be really good. I mean, I've had hundred fish days in the fall, and I've had one fish days in the fall. I mean, my best tournament ever was in October. Yeah. So when I say I don't like fall fishing, I mean there's been some amazing days out there, but generally speaking, like fall is the worst time for me to fish. I mean, but yeah. you're right, Petey. You, you you find the right thing. It can be absolutely it's, amazing because those fish. I mean, it's a lot of time. A lot of times, fishing in the fall is. And it's cliche, but it's it's a grindy. Like you have to you have to work to catch fish, and they it might not be one pattern in particular that you're going to catch them all on, but it might be it might be a, a, a area of the water where you know fish are more active, or it could be a pattern. Like for me, over the week, like the tournament on Saturday, I figured out early that they were the the fish that I was starting were feeding on bluegill. So like all my baits went to those colors and to those sizes trying to meet that profile. And that was how I got bit other guys that, that I fished against caught them doing completely different things. Like, yep. um, and that's, that's the fall in a nutshell. And like you said, it's a great time to learn because they get everywhere in the water column. You can still catch them in a deep brush pile and you can catch them in eight inches of water. Yeah. You know, the biggest, the biggest fish I got a hook into uh, on Saturday was three maybe four pounds was in like eight inches of water hmm. and uh they're they're everywhere so if you want to work on shallow techniques you're not super confident throwing square bills especially square bill is a great bait this time of year because you can beat it around cover uh they you can match the size that they want to feed like trey said a lot of times it's smaller profile and we'll we'll get into the, the little bit of the science behind why uh, and what what they're their primary forages this time of year, but then there's days and times like what I figured out they were feeding on bluegill. They didn't care about, you know, that smaller forge. That's what, that's, that's what those fish I was catching were targeted on. Um, but it can be frustrating. So I see where, when Ben says it's his yeah. least favorite but time, let's, let's kind of talk about why the fall can be <coughs> so difficult. So bait bait's part of it. So much bait. And, and we'll get there. Well, so let's talk about bait first, I guess, because, <coughs> You know, over the late spring, summer, we've had hatches of either yep. bluegill multiple times. You've had the shad spawn. And, right, those new baby fish, those little minnows, whatever species they are, they're still very small. Yep. Uh, and there's just a ton of them because you haven't had the cold weather yet to have a big, you know, shad kill or, you know, um, bluegill kill, however, you know, whatever species they're feeding on. Um and so there's just a whole bunch of bait out there. Those fry have also been in those protected areas. They've mm -hmm. been, and, and that's a good. They've point. been shallow when the bigger fish were deep because of oxygen levels and things yeah, like and that. We know there's always resident fish shallow, yeah. but when the more of the population is as pulled off to cooler, more oxygenated water, they just have less predator fish yep. until the fall. And so now in the fall, there's just way more bait. And now you're competing against actual live protein versus a piece of plastic, whether that's a crankbait yeah. or silicone on a jig or a soft plastic. Um, that's one of the, to me, one of the things people need to realize is that bait, everybody talks about their fa the fall feed, they're feeding up. 
They are, but they're feeding on that small bait. That's all this year's hatch. So all those bluegill fry, all of those shad fry, depending on the lake you're in. Uh, for us, it's primarily shad because that's that's primary forage in most of our lakes. And they are by the kajillions. <laughs> I mean, I had a school. I was, I was spot locked on Saturday in 22 foot of water fishing a point, throwing up into like eight, 10 foot. And I had a school shad come under my forward facing center or under my, my, uh, 360 and it showed I was in one foot of water. So that's that school of fish <laughs> was so dense that it changed the depth reading. It's like it going off a grass patch almost. Yeah. Like yeah. almost like you hit a grass. I've been a Jordan and Harris before in the fall and on the opposite side. So the wind blown side, you know, scanning a ledge there and it, there's this there for, miles it seemed there was this bait from the bottom of the ledge to the top of the water column all the way down for miles it seemed like it's like i gotta find some other place to fish because you just can't compete yeah that's um, when you look for those other creek arms or yeah whatever and and another another factor with this is that much like in the so you know the fish move offshore a lot in the, in the summertime and a lot of lakes they get deeper where it's cooler more oxygenated they just remain more stable as a colubrid animal. The same thing happens in the wintertime. Um, they want the oxygenated, the more stable water, um, so they pull out deeper. You know, in the spring, they all feed up. Like we hear about the fall feeding frenzy, there's this, this the spring feed. Unlike in the spring, where there is a biological need for those bass to move shallow, to spawn, that is absent in the fall. Yep. So those fish can literally be anywhere. If you if you're catching them in 20 foot in a brush pile, you know, in late August and you pull up there in September or October and the fish are gone, you know, if that was in the spring or winter hunt, you'd be like, okay, there's 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 a main lake point, maybe I should pull up or a secondary point. And you can just kind of hop your way back until you kind of figure out where they're at. In the fall, they could be in the middle of the lake. Yeah, that's I right. Mean, they could be pretty much anywhere. They just they're gonna follow that bait around and they don't that necessarily bait. have to go shallow yep. and the yep. bait goes everywhere and the thermocline disappears which is a big a big key which means bait. they can actually be deeper than what you were catching them all all yeah. summer long i think uh i think you know when i when i talk about training <laughs> i use it i use that term loose, loosely because it's not like i'm a fishing athlete but training or or you know honing my skill sets uh this is the time that you really can dial in electronics. Um, you know, that, that goes for any electronics. It doesn't have to be forward facing sonar, by the way. Um, I went out, uh, so Sunday, which was, I don't know, three days ago or whatever. Um, and, and I went out to the lake near us and, and the thermocline's gone, right? Water temperatures around that 80 degree range. Um, but fish were set up in all different patterns. I marked fish on side scan that were absolutely on the bottom side scan in 2d. I marked fish that were, you know, su suspended underneath bait balls. Um, and you know, I initially went shallow, right? I had five square bill rods, uh, casting rods on my front deck. And my initial goal was to go shallow. Now you're, you'll find out relatively quickly if you're, if you're doing, no, let me back that up. 
you you may have to cover an extreme amount of water to find the fish when they're when they're shallow in the springtime. It's not like you know, like in the spawn, that they're going to be like every fifty feet or whatever, and they're going to be on a bed. There are certain areas that will hold fish. So, like if you're gonna, and that's the great thing about the fall is you can just dedicate. Like you don't expect to get a lot of bites, but when you do get them, like you might want to stay in the area that you're getting bit in, right? Because it could be a concentration of fish. So it's a great way to, A, turn your electronics completely off and just watch nature do its thing. Balls of shad swimming around, a bunch of balls of shad in one area, but then an isolated ball of shad maybe in the middle or the back of a pocket, and then they're being fed on by largemouth or whatever, right? Or it's a great way to don't have any rods on your front deck and go just play with your electronics. Right. So you, I, I think the world is yours. And then there's that like, you know how you know how it is, right? When you when you get on the lake and it's it's the summertime or any other time, really, besides the winter and the fall. And you I don't know what it is about it, but like there's this like unnecessary pressure that's on you to like get to your spot as quick as you can because you're scared someone else is going to like get on it and catch yeah. fish in the fall. You don't have to worry about that. Like, it's not like it's not like they're going to be on your summer school that you're normally used to like picking fish off. So that's the other piece of the deal that really helps like alleviate whatever pressure. Cause we all do it, man. Like even when I go out on the lake, I'm like, all right, got to blast off and got to get to my spot. And you know, like, and I'm acting like I'm in a tournament I don't know why I do that, but I don't do that in the fall. It's far more relaxed, but it's a great way to just do anything you want to do. Um, with the expectation that you may not get a bite. So fall fishing itself can be fun, but it may not be fall catching. I like how you put that with the expectations. It's all about expectation management because when those big schools or little schools, depending on your lake, break up in the summertime, right? the fish are going to scatter. They're not going to be as concentrated. So you can take your time. And that's where, yeah, you can really put new techniques to work. You can learn your electronics. You can go out there and kind of dedicate that time because you, you're not going out there expecting to hammer them like you would in maybe your summer your summer offshore spots. Um, I just, because you have that expectation, you're just probably more willing to go out and try new things and kind of read the water as it is, Yeah, um, which is very important, I think, in honing your skills. Um to apply that in the future. Right. And we, we, you mentioned it, Trey, like the expectation is like, you may have to cover a lot of water. Yep. And I, I did want to say like, if you're trying to use that new technique or learn something new, the expectations just don't become discouraged in the fall either. Right. Because sometimes it is just a very difficult time, especially if you're doing it right at the transition. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other thing we can get. You, you just got to find a different area of the lake if, if when that happens. But the, um, the, the other thing that, you know, a lot of times what I'll do, especially on a new body, or even on the existing body water that I have a lot of experience on, this is when a lot of people, especially after Christmas, but even now until February, a lot of people are dumping brush piles in lakes, yeah. right? So I know that there was a new thing found on said lake uh, the other day, and it was like, that was never there before. Um, so, you know, again, not even with a rod on your front deck, you can learn so much about a lake you may have been going to for the last 10, 15 years. Um, guess what? You're not the only one that goes to that lake. And so people are constantly manipulating the environment on the lake. 
right? Storms, natural, natural weather manipulates the environment. And then there's man-made stuff. And so like, when you go out and you're like, man, that brush pile is never there before, man, that Christmas tree was never there before, right? Man, 150 tires were never dumped in the back of that Creek before. It's a great time to just learn the lake again, right? Because it changes the dynamic of the lake for the following season, you know, where you have caught them throughout the summer or maybe the spring, you might have found a gold mine for next year's tournament season if you fish tournaments or just fun fishing and stuff. So another great uh, tip for everybody. I will say one of my favorite things about fall fishing, even though it is my least favorite time, <laughs> is I do love the topwater bite in the fall. Yes. Yeah. I get I, that tournament I had was all topwater bite. The best tournament I ever had it was in again in October. It was all topwater. I just have a lot more confidence though in topwater in the fall, probably because the, the water uh, temperature and all i just feel like it sets up better than obviously in the winter time probably not ideal uh in the summertime early and late top water we all know works and if you get on a cloudy day depending on the body of water you can extend that out um and i know it works great in the spring i just seem to have a lot more success consistently throughout the entire day like if i just wanted to have one top water rod on my boat like i'm more confident kept putting a limit together in the fall just yes. doing that than than uh any other time of the year. Well, we were talking about this. I know Pete, you're like, you're doing all right. Oh, I'm great. All right. <laughs> we were talking about this before the show too. And, and, um, while the, while the bass, and this is just, this is just Trey's opinion. While the bass are feeding on, you know, this year's hatch of whatever bait fish that you have in your body of water. Um, it's kind of like when they're feeding on shad in the summer and you know that the big, big fish are underneath the smaller fish are feeding on the shad it still happens in the fall, right? So like mm -hmm. if you find a group of micro shads, what I call them, micro shad, little fingerlings and stuff there, if you find bass underneath of them, the chances of finding a big bass underneath of them is good too, because they're still lazy. Like those big fish can be lazy. If they haven't moved to the bank or suspended out in the middle of like 500 feet of water or whatever, you still can catch them on big baits. I know this is the early transition or the early fall time, right? But uh, a few days ago when I went out, they wouldn't touch a micro jig. They would touch a one cast fishing jig, three eighths ounce, but I could not get them to eat a small bait. It was the, it was weird. Like initially I would catch them on a drop shot. I would catch them on a Ned rig, a weedless Ned head from one cast fishing. I'd catch them on whatever. And then literally two hours into the day, I, I fished from 11 to four and two hours into the day, it went from eating drop shots and small three inch swim baits to they wouldn't touch anything other than a jig and a top water. I wonder if all the crawdads came out on the bottle. I don't know. <laughs> right. So, because my neighbor, he caught one in his pond the other day and had a crawdad on his throat. I was like, yeah, yeah. Crawdad pattern's coming back, man. So, it doesn't mean that they're not going to eat. I mean, you think yeah. about it, right? Like, big fish um, are lazy a lot of times and they're also feeding up uh, for the winter pattern mm -hmm. because in the winter, they'll go, you know, a couple days before they eat again and uh, in between days. You can get some fat football fish on some big baits. Just depends on what the fish are telling you. Yeah. So I was just gonna say, like, I'm the opposite of Trey. I don't I don't use the fall to use my electronics, like to scan and stuff, like to find new structure. That's what that's really what I use the winter time for. I use the fall to actually fish and like use those new techniques, uh different techniques. Um especially 
if if you want to get comfortable using forward facing sonar, yeah, it's a great time of year to do it. Um, because there's a lot of bait, there's a lot of fish under that bait. They may not be bass. Uh, you'll figure it out pretty quick if you if you fish for them and start catching them. But there's a lot to see, right? So it's a great time to see bait, to see fish, to see your bait, and to see how fish react to your bait, and and to really hone in. And that that's my plan for this year is a lot a lot of that because I'm not I'm not very good with it. I have it. I've had it for a couple of years now. I I I can use it enough to to catch some fish from time to time, but. It's a it's a technique now, right? Like mm-hmm. forward facing sonar is a technique and a skill in and of itself, and it's something that I need to learn to do. Uh, and I plan to do it in the fall because when I first got it, I used it. I crappy, I crappy, crappy, however you want to say it. Succulent, and, uh, and that's not even fair to learn how to live scope. Well, that's what I did because you pull yeah. up to a school, you can see your jig fall, you see him react, you see him eat it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool when you watch them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got a limit within thirty casts. Yeah, it was like the best crappie I've ever caught in my life. I have no, I'm not a crappie fisherman at all. I just took an ultralight and a little jig, and I smashed it. I'm like, oh, these crappie guys are talking about this is the easiest thing I ever did in my life. It, it, it makes it, it makes because uh, we've talked about it before how life it was just a tool. It's not gonna you know force you to catch a fish. Um, and you know the first time I had live scope and I took it out in 2019 or whatever. Um, within five minutes, I was like, oh, there's a fish, and I pitched to it, and I'm in like 12 foot of water. I'm pitching like I'm to the bank and boom, bass in the boat. I was like, well, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Come to find out it's a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. It's not usually like <laughs> it's that. It's usually not like that. <laughs> that was a uh, first time. Uh, beginner's luck within like five minutes of fishing with the yeah. new system. But yeah, it usually doesn't happen that way. Most of the time it's fish running from your bait yeah. uh, or nosing down and not eating the 47 different baits that you throw to them. Uh, but it, you know, it's a great time to learn your gear and that, that is a piece of gear that a lot of folks have. If you don't have it, that's great. I mean, you could, it's a good time, like Trey said, to learn your 2d and stuff, uh, because those fish can set up. It's really easy to see bait balls. If you're not sure what bait looks like, uh, on side imaging or down imaging or 2d, it's a good time to do that. Um, but for me, like it forward facing is going to make fall a little, I don't want to say it's going to make it easier, but it's going to help, it's going to help break some of that that time down figuring out what the fish want because if i roll up on a bait ball and i look on forward facing sonar and there's a, a bait ball three times the size of this table we're sitting at and there's fish feeding on it i'm just going to pick my troll motor up and go somewhere else yeah because I, you can't compete with that and i've tried you throw an a rig through there you throw every little thing little trick you have and you're like oh if i throw a fluke and it, it looks like it's dead they're going to eat it they don't want anything to do with it you yeah just, that's when you take a casting net out there yeah you just go <laughs> And, and and seriously, like I I I have a buddy that that's he only fishes live bait, but you know sometimes if you're just like you know your head's down and you're like man I can't catch anything, it's like we'll just go grab some bait fish and uh, and and that doesn't even work sometimes. I mean yeah. even catching live shad that tend to die as soon as you hook them in the face, like they don't want the dead ones, they want the alive ones. You know what I mean? So it's but, like that rule of uh, or that you know the reason that that shad have so many babies or so many fry is because of safety and numbers right if yeah. we have a hundred thousand of you and twenty thousand of you get eaten well eighty thousand still made it so yeah they're you know they're not worried about i think it's some, more like eighty thousand get eaten <laughs> well probably but you know you know what i mean like he's trying to be kind to the yeah i'm trying fin, to yeah. be <laughs> kind to our friend the threadfin shad you know that um going back to life scope that's interesting what if if you like you know shallow water fishing um and that is your thing, and you do have live scope, and this is a great time to put it to your advantage because 
what I'm about to describe, I also apply in the spring too when mm -hmm. the fish are shallow. But if you're going down a bank, you're in a pocket or cove, and you are, you know, flipping laydowns or whatever, whatever you're doing, right? You're fishing from the bank, maybe out to four or five foot. Um, if you're on a pattern, like if I'm on a pattern, like if I'm going into a tournament, like this is what the fish should be doing, I'll turn live scope off because I don't, I don't want that additional pinging there. But if I'm searching, uh, practicing, I'll have that thing turned on. And so while I'm, I'm pitching to my targets, like I can scan around and I'd be like, oh, there's a break there. Well, they're standing timber out there or there's like stumps out there and there's fish moving around in six, seven, eight foot of water. So it can help you um, you know, identify where those fish are, who, they move a lot more in the fall to kind of see where they're moving at. And then you can try to go over and target and yep. experiment, you know, from there. Um, you know, that's, that's a lot of ways how I would use it in the fall. If yeah. once I think the fish are primarily on the bank or maybe like that first break off the bank. I think Pete brought up a really good point with, uh, learning which, what you're looking at. Uh, and I, and I know that was a huge, uh, like huge learning curve for me and, you know, everything plays a role in it. You know, are you running the right battery power, uh, to, to afford facing sonar? Do you have the right, uh, you know, like I run a nine inch screen, it's a pretty small screen. So it, you know, my eyes are getting old. It, it plays some tricks on you. You know, I'm not Rick Clun by any means, but I'm getting up there in age and, uh, I'm just kidding. No shade on Rick Clun. He's awesome. But, you know, there's a lot of things that play into it, but knowing what you're looking at on forward facing sonar is so important because if you're running a nine inch screen like me versus a 2000 inch screen, like some of the other guys are running, they look very different. Like those blobs on your forward facing sonar look very different. A rock looks like a fish, depending on which unit you're running, you know? So like, and then even the shad, and we saw this, this year when, when the three of us were out on, you know, said Lake, there were shad that you could make out like individual shad, the size of them on the forward facing sonar. And then there's shad that just look like just a, you know, just a blob coming through the water. So like bass and, and, and some catfish, they kind of look similar. You know, yeah. small mouth and drum can kind of look similar, right? A couple things with that. Uh, if you do see shad that are a little bit bigger and their separation is typically their what threadfin shad, mm -hmm. no gizzard shad, gizzard, gizzard, gizzard yeah, shad, bigger ones. If you find gizzard shad, stay around them because that's usually where the bigger fish are. Um, that's one of the things I've learned over the years from watching all the pros on the yeah, if you find gizzard shad, ooh, could be a great day out there. Um, Where's the second point I was going to make? I don't know. I don't know. Where are you going to talk oh, about? No, you're sometimes you're not going to know what you're seeing it until you catch whatever's down. That's there. right. Yeah. Yep. So, talking about catfish and bass looking the same. Uh, a year and a half ago, done a Lake Watery, probably an April May tournament, um, and then there weren't really fish on the bank. Super tough post spawn. There were some fish offshore, but there's a bunch of bait. 15, 20 foot right up on the surface and you can see all these fish just schooling under them, like moving around like crazy schooling. I finally, I'm throwing a spoon at them and any other bait I had for, for, I was like, I got to figure out what you are. And sure enough, I finally caught one in the spoon. It was a cat, about 10 pound catfish. Yeah. Mm. If you think uh, about five, pounds. if you think yeah. other predator fish don't school, you're wrong. They school. And cause they, I they caught, around, yeah. I caught a flathead on a jig a few days ago and I saw it on forward facing sonar and I was it was like thump and I whacked it with a cash and flipping stick not even throwing that 
rod in the application is designed to be thrown. And I pulled it up and I thought it was a five pound largemouth. And here comes this big, giant, brown, yellow looking catfish. And I was like, <laughs> wow, you totally screwed me. You know, like it, it, it's crazy. And in, on, the, on that particular day, there was five or six of these fish going from the bottom and 15 to 20 foot all the way to the almost the surface to grab the shad yeah. and swim right back down like a bass often will. Yeah. And there were just big catfish down yeah. there. And and I have no idea. So crucify me if you will. But I'm a when in the in the cold season, right? I say cold season because not everyone gets like a real winter and stuff. But when the water is colder, I would have to assume that the clarity is better because the molecules are closer together, correct? In the water, like it's just more dense. Is that accurate? Like the air, does the water do the same thing? Either way, yeah, water. Well, water. I, I, I don't know that question. I, I feel I know cold like, water is yes. denser. Yeah. Right? I feel like the clarity on my forward facing sonar is far better when the water temperatures so are I, really cold. I think a part of that is really a function of there's not as much pollen coming in the water. That's true. Yeah. There's probably less runoff, you know, from like agriculture implications, right? Yeah. If it rains, it's still going to get rain, but there's probably less stuff going into the water. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is interesting because it is, water's typically clearer, yeah. um, in the wintertime, you know, you know, and, and especially on the lakes that they draw down. Yeah. That's a, that's a part of that's it too. something we didn't talk about the winter drawdown. Well, we're talking about fall. I don't know when they start because well, yeah. they don't really draw down many of our lakes. There's a couple of them that I think they pull. Don't they pull car down Bugs Island? Yeah, but that's a gar hole. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's a great point, I'm right? Kidding. So, like, you're, you're typically it's your big core run. Yeah, like your flood control lakes, so. your TVA systems and stuff, yeah, and, and, and like Tennessee the White River, River system. And yeah, I, but I think bugs, right? I think they do. I they, think they draw they, bugs down. Yeah, and again, that's not the fall, but like you could even talk like early winter time. Like, um, it's another great way to get out in your body of water besides going through Google Earth Pro. And you start seeing things that you never saw during the season before because there's timber and structure and all sorts of stuff that's sticking out of the water. You're like, wow, that wasn't there. It was there the whole time. You just never saw it, right? So even if you don't have forward-facing sonar, it's a great way to go out and do scout reconnaissance applications and stuff. Um, the only thing I'll say in the in the fall is, uh, especially after November, depending on where you live, is um, be careful on the water. Uh, there's been numerous times because a lot of the lakes that we have, there's, uh, you know, North Carolina, like public hunting land, uh, that's around them. Oh, and yeah, yeah, so, yeah. uh, if you're thinking about going shallow, just be cognizant, watch out for those orange vests and stuff, because, uh, they going to be slinging some lead at you. You know what I mean? Not at you, but they're going to be shooting at deer and stuff like that. And I, so I, I'm more concerned about the duck hunter. Well, the duck hunters too. Uh, but that is, they just let it fly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've, and there's been Ooh. numerous videos I've seen on like, you know, YouTube and stuff like that, where guys like take a gunshot right into the side of their boat. Um, but it, it, it can be a dangerous time. It's also a cool time too. Cause if you're a big whitetail hunter or, uh, you know, I guess hunter is the right word. Um, you can scout out some really good hunting land from your boat. Some really good hunting. It's usually posted, but it's a good way to sneak into there because you know yeah they don't watch the water they don't watch the water trespassing i'm just yeah. kidding don't do it <laughs> do the like, night like, you invade are, invade like the navy already established as yeah. state game lands yeah. state, state game lands I, last year uh i watched a guy I, I ran into the back of a pocket 
And I, uh, this actually the guy asked me at the ramp, he goes, you, you going fishing? And I was like, I feel like that's kind of a stupid question, but still like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm Here's going fishing. Son. Here's Yeah. But him and his son jumped in their nitro and, and they, uh, they blasted past me when I was fishing a bank line. And like an hour and a half later, I just see this nitro, like a really small nitro, like struggling to get across the water, had this giant 10 pointer, like strapped to the front <laughs> deck and stuff. And I was like, where'd you kill that at? And he's like, Oh, back there. And I was like, Oh man, that's like one of my favorite places to bass fish. Like <laughs> now I know, you know? So yeah, I mean, it, it offers like a multitude of opportunities, but I think like dialing in your, like understanding your equipment is so important, whether or not that's, you know, you're running a two stroke engine on a John boat. It's, under, it's important to understand that equipment. Yeah just as it is to understand like your electronics and whatever bass boat or whatever you're running. So all your, all your equipment's important, your, including the equipment you put on your body. So make yes. sure you head to Carolina waters, nc.com and check out their full line of gear. They got UPF shirts. They have hats, toboggans, uh, hopefully some, some warmer hoodies. I know that they were, they were planning around some designs. So those should be coming for this winter. Uh, you know, they're our partner here on the podcast. So make sure you head to carolinawatersnc.com. Check out their gear. Use the code the one cast, all one word at checkout uh, for the month of September. So this will be the last week. You'll save 20% uh, off your order and, uh, you know, get yourself some gear because it's important to take care of your, your body, just like you're taking care of uh, your boat and everything else. And uh, having the right clothing makes a huge difference. Uh, and I know that any UPF gear is nice. It breathes, but it'll help keep you warm. Uh, helps keep the sun's rays off you. So again, carolinawatersnc.com. Use the code the one cast, save 20%. Yeah. Dude, this is the that that was a great that was a great segue, Pete. I have to say that because go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. I know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you think you know what I want to say? I, I mean, well, I was gonna say, like, you're gonna need that because this is the time of year that you're gonna have to go out bundled up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And about ten o'clock in the f, you know, in the morning, you better start stripping down. That I was have, I have a terrible habit of pushing it to as long as I can. I do the same. Thing, I, I want to fish. I want you don't want to stop fishing. I'll be yeah. sweating underneath. It'd be like eighty. I know. It'd be yeah. eighty-two degrees, and I'm still in my like my overalls and my hoodie because I, I don't want to take the time to, to rip them off. Yeah. I'm the same way. I do the same thing. You're but, like, man, it's hot. But you just keep, I know. Just keep casting. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wow, my overalls really stink yeah like yeah well i can imagine why because you're like 99 <laughs> degrees of swamp beep you yeah know, below there yeah but you bring up a good point in um safety right yeah. safety so a lot of people including myself i'm super guilty of this sometimes like on a nice warm summer day warm summer morning man i will forget to throw that pfd on that personal flotation device i will rip down the water um, as fast as my little boat will go, um, just because it's warm, I know like probably not going to be a huge issue. Well, that's dumb of me. And especially in the fall and in the winter, when that water temperature starts dropping, you're out there by yourself. There is very few people on the lake now. So less people to help you all the more reason for you to wear that PFD, but then wear that warm clothing, right? You know, like you can get frostbite. You can get hypothermia very quickly. I mean, probably not frostbite too much down here, but it is a reality. And then you got to think of like, well, if I'm on a lake, like, oh, I don't know, Eufaula, uh, Oklahoma, which is a massive lake, right? Or any of the giant lakes up here. If you die in the middle of, of the late fall and it's freaking freezing outside, uh, not die, but I mean, your boat goes dead and you're stranded you're going to wish that you had some of that yeah. good gear, right? So it, it is a, it is a safety consideration too. And I know Ben, you hate it. Like you hate being cold. Um, I also don't 
prefer having my face freeze off when I'm running down the water either. I like the colder weather, but I know that it's important to take a neck good, gaiters. good set of gloves, good uh, neck gaiters. And you're like the water is typically calmer now. Yeah. Um, and we by no means are sponsored by a sunglass company, but you need to really protect your eyes in the fall and the winter time too, because you're gonna get you can get like sun like uh your retinas can get sunburned and stuff in this in this uh type of environment. So man, that was a good that was a good thing to talk about, Carolina. Yeah, man. Just wear your dang PFD. It doesn't matter what time of the year, how warm it is. I'm I think Jordan it. Lake, you know, local here had has had nine drownings so far this year and of the nine, they every single one of them could have been avoided if they had just worn a PFD. You can get them for like nine bucks at Walmart, probably cheaper. I don't know. I haven't looked at the orange ones in a while. Yeah. But it might not be stylish, but it, it really does save your life. And and it's paramount year-round, but especially getting this cold wet water. And cold water shock's a real thing. And we'll tell my story one of these days about, oh, uh, man. Oh, yeah, about yeah, cold yeah. water shock Woo. and just about dying, but it's a real thing, man, and not, it doesn't matter how good a swimmer or whatever you think you are. Like, you hit you hit sub eighty degree water, and uh, I mean, you can get hypo anything below ninety eight point six. You can technically get hypothermia and die, and it just takes a whole lot longer. And I have a buddy that works for Mustang uh, Survival, and his his primary goal is selling all that gear to Sof. Um, so he goes around and does demos with everybody and, and sells that stuff and. And uh, he's a cold water immersion expert. And I might try to get Brian on to talk about it because um, he can tell you the formula, like 60 degree water is like 30 minutes and you can have hypothermia. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a whole thing. So just because you think, oh, it's it's bath water, I can swim. You could still, you can still not, you can get knocked yeah. out. Like I, Trey's ridden with me. I don't run my boat without my pee. No, he doesn't. Like, I keep it connected worse to my, him. keep it connected to my kill switch and I put it on. Yeah. It's just habit, like yeah. your seatbelt. I get in, I put it on, and then I go, and it's you know becomes becomes one of those things you just do. But then I get in Trey's boat and I I leave it laying in the center. Yeah, he does, <laughs> he does that. Yeah. I do the same yeah, thing though. Like I, it's so weird, man. <laughs> it's so weird how like cause that's because you're in your routine, right? That's yeah. another that's another great thing about the fall is you can really start to dial in your routine too. Um, you know, getting the habit, like it's not just on the water, but it's everything with like expediting and making yourself more efficient, like with launching, launching, yep, taking out. um, doing all that stuff, like getting in. And this is a great time to do maintenance on all your trailers, um, your hubs, everything. And, and the last thing I'll say on the fall in the winter, but mostly the fall, because it's hard to catch them in the winter for me. Uh, this is a great time. Listen, this is a good time to put fish in your live well and take pictures at the end of the day. Like I, we do it. I don't like to do it in the summertime because the mortality rate on the fish, but like now they're a little bit more stable and they're a little bit more beefier and they got a lot more food in their belly and all that stuff. You, you can catch some big ones, especially if you miss the spawn. Like this is a time mm. to catch some real big fat fish that are feeding up for the winter time. So it's a great time to get some shots and, you know, get some pictures and not kill a lot of fish in live well. And fish a bunch of different ways. That's it. That's what's, that's why I like it, man. Like I'll have 37 rods on my deck and I'll use every single one. <laughs> yeah. I might have 10 on it like in the summer and end up using three, but this time of year you just roll through and uh, I don't know. Let's what, what is your favorite fall technique? Oh man. So I'm, I'm along with Ben. I think I talked about it on our fishing Friday live, but I really, I really like throwing a topwater bait um, like a pop pop R style bait 
in the fall. And if I'm not throwing a pop R style bait, I like throwing, um, you know, like a mic, like a mini micro jig, like three eighths ounce or a half ounce, because you can, you can throw it shallow if you're going to fish shallow and you can throw it deep if you're going to fish deep. Um, so I like those two baits, but I'd say top water is pretty fun for the lake here for the lake that I fish the most here. And I'm, that is not applicable to the other lakes by the, by any means. Yeah. If I had to choose, obviously any of the one cast baits, but I'm biased with that. So besides those, it's definitely a top water. And I have no problem throwing that top water anywhere across the country this time of year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's probably my go-to in the, in the fall. Yeah. What about you, Pete? Square bill. Square bill. Yeah. I love picking up a square bill and just grinding, That's just put the trolling motor on six yeah. and hit every lay down and rock pile and standing timber and because those fish most of the fish are feeding up so that's even in, in deeper standing timber you know eight ten foot of water i'll i'll hit the tops of those trees with a square bill and that's something you do more feed square yeah. bill we, we talked about forward facing sonar and this is a great time to like learn it but this is also a great time if you do know it and you have used it it's a great time to turn that thing off yep. because no matter how no this is my opinion that thing is applicable when it's applicable, but it also is annoying to me sometimes. And so like, I'm looking forward to not even turning that switch on and just running some bank or just visually fishing for them. Um, and it's a great way to like relieve some of that pressure of like staring at a screen all year long. I, th I think the two baits you see the most people say they don't catch fish on are a jig and a crankbait. And there's no better time than the fall to throw either of those two That's right. and learn how to catch fish yeah. uh, on a jig or a crankbait. Because Especially a jig. Typically, I think the jig seems to shine a little bit better for me. Uh, let me preface that. Early on in the fall, when you still have good numbers that are still hanging around the offshore spots, yeah. football jig is still going to work. Um, but once you get through that transition, as there's a lot like more towards November here, there seems to be a little crawfish bite. Yeah, yeah. Up a little bit more and so like obviously i'm always having a jig tied on my boat but probably this time through late october it's probably honestly it's probably not the one i'm picking up first yeah 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 you know but it you know how many times do we hear this during the bassmaster classic or at icast or at any of the fishing shows we went to for one cast fishing there's a lot of people that are deterred from throwing jigs. Either they've had no yeah. success with them, they've never thrown them before, whatever the case may be. Let me stop you there because this is people have always for, for five years since I started one cast fishing. Um, and even before that, when it was just the YouTube stuff, right? But every time I go, people always ask, like, I've never had luck on a jig. How, how do you get better on the jig? Well, this is the time of the year and then in, in the spring to learn how to do it because this is what I want you to do. If you want to learn how to fish a jig, Put on a Texas rig, trick worm. Just go down the bank until you get hit in a good stretch. You get two or three bites and you're in a good stretch. Put that thing away and put on the jig and just do the same thing. You're not going to catch as many, but you are going to catch one or two. And they're probably going to be better. And yeah. it's just about getting that confidence. It is. Like that. This is a this is a great time to learn how to fish a jig. Yeah. If you've never done it this time through December, probably, and then early right before they spawn yeah um so i think maybe late february through april yeah yeah, yeah. right if, if you've never done it and you get you want to go down the bank and do it that way and learn and, and and find a concentration of fish it's just like a perfect time to learn how to fish a jig 
Yeah, you you uh, that definitely is a good point from both you and and I just remember like dozens and dozens of people coming up to us at the show saying I don't know how to throw a jig or I don't like to throw a jig and I told them we told them like hey if you like throwing a Texas rig or you like throwing a shaky head then you'll like throwing a snagless jig right whether or not that's the flipping jig or the football jig the swim jig the bladed jig but in this time of the season like if you can pick up that flipping jig or football jig if you can catch them on texas rig you can catch them on that snagless jig and i don't want to ruin the winter stuff because i think we need to have another episode where we specifically talk about like deep winter type stuff uh which i know is a huge weakness for me uh but i still like to run my boat that way ethanol doesn't build up in my fuel because i run cheap fuel but uh yeah it's a great way to get confident in in any bait that you just don't typically throw there's only one bait you need in the winter what's that a rig oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, between a rig and forward facing sonar baby we got a whole nother show but yeah it is man so um yeah guys you got anything else i don't no no it was good uh good conversation lots of hopefully things for y'all to take away if you have questions or anything make sure you ask them in the comments join our facebook groups all that all of it's linked below uh, make sure you check out those veterans charities Make sure you check out One Cast Fishing, Carolina Waters. Uh, this is your last couple days. Is coming on Thursday uh, to register. If there's any tickets left for the Kayak Masterclass over at Cashin's headquarters, uh, a couple pro anglers, three pro kayak anglers going to be talking. You don't have to be a kayak angler. They're giving away a ton of juice, including what I'm hearing is the other robo worm color that apparently is a big fish catcher on a drop shot. Mm. So. Uh, Casey won't tell me. He said I have to come to the masterclass to learn. So he's gonna he's gonna drop that juice. We'll be there. We'll have some the one cast hats and t shirts for sale. Uh, we'll be hanging out, talking, catching up with uh, everybody we know down there. So looking forward to that. Uh, and then uh, yeah, our next uh, our next adventure will be to NPFL. Yeah, Lake Lanier. Uh, Lake Lanier. The end of the second. Uh, or no, that's their last event. So NPFL's got Ufala coming up at the end of this month, and then their last. Uh, event for the season is lake lanier and and the one cast will be down there rocking and rolling doing some interviews you see and, that aoy shield get lifted man, by somebody i know awesome. they might have to track me down because uh might i might it. steal that and, and if todd goat is listening to this uh you know if we, we you know we're pulling for todd we're pulling for everybody honestly but todd's leading uh you know angler of the year for the mpfl right now he's a few points ahead some of the uh so the other hammers that are right behind him tailing him we got some north carolina boys in there so um but yeah we're excited for that and uh yeah please uh please take these episodes and share them with your friends i know there's a lot of people that like to listen to podcasts uh this is a great way to uh you know enjoy your drive to work enjoy enjoy your drive home from work um and and get yourself involved in the fishing community because we're all about you know uh, helping anglers, uh, you know, grow a culture of anglers, helping anglers one cast at a time. So what were you going to say, Ben? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Trey, before you take us away with that, our little catchphrase there, uh, this episode has been a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, we actually talked fishing in a sense that we talked about a seasonal change and we haven't done a lot of, I don't think we've actually done in a single episode where we no. got kind of technique specific. We, we've got people all across the industry. We've had professional anglers. We've had biologists. We've talked about all the controversies going on. This is our first one where, they, where we talked about fishing and how we how we go about it during the season. So if, if you enjoyed this, drop a comment, send us a message, let us know if you want any topics you want us to talk about in the future. You know, drop it in our Facebook group so we can uh, run our mouths about it too. And you can either 
listen to what we say or not. Like, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, we we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> but, no, like Trey said, uh, appreciate everybody listening. Like, comment, subscribe, all that, you know, hoopla that everybody says at the end of podcasts. I'll throw it out there too. But uh, appreciate everybody and uh, and uh, help us continue to cultivate a community of anglers, helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a fucking toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day.